Welcome back to Fourth and Forever. Special guest today. I'm excited about him because not only is he one of the best tight ends in football, incredible backstory of his upbringing in uh, the D.C. area, also a Super Bowl champion, which I didn't realize when we were teammates back uh, formerly the Redskins. We were teammates, now the Washington football team. We'll get into that, the whole name debacle, but without further ado, uh, Vernon Davis. What's up? Hey, what's going on, Mark? How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I was only in Washington for such a short time. I didn't get to know all this about you. And now we did a deep dive on you. Now I got everything. I got all the dirt. I got it. I got everything. So you, you grew up in Washington. I want the viewers and listeners to hear about your upbringing because you're the oldest of seven siblings and you're raised mm -hmm. primarily by your grandmother. And am I pronouncing it right? Adeline or Adeline? Adeline? Adeline. Uh, Adeline. Adeline. And right. is she still uh, with us? Yeah, she is. She's still with us. Okay, so talk about her and her influence <laughs> on you and growing up in a household with six other kids. Yeah, it was tough, man, uh, especially being the oldest. My grandmother always made sure that we had everything we need needed. I had to worry about my brothers uh, stealing my socks and taking my T-shirts. So that was uh, that was that was one of the highlights of my of my life, my time growing up in the house. But my grandmother, she did everything for us, washed our clothes, uh, and like I said before, made sure we had everything. And she was always there for us. She was our rock. Um, she's just like the, a wonderful woman. I mean, I can think of so many great things to say about her, and she deserves it because of everything uh, that she's been able to do for me and my siblings, and uh, just her, you know, selfless attitude throughout life in general. Yeah. And that's obviously, um, worn off mm -hmm. on you. I've seen it personally with, uh, your foundation and everything. We'll get mm -hmm. into all that too. I read in an article about you guys picking up some side jobs together to help provide for the family. Can you tell us about that? Is that accurate? Did I read that correctly about you guys cleaning some houses and what was that like? Yeah. When, the, when we were growing up, my grandmother, her job was, she was a mate pretty much. And she cleaned houses and the families that she cleaned houses for, they, they pretty much took her in. They gave her, they was always, they were like family. They became our family. And every time they would go out of town, we would go, go to their house and uh, she would babysit their kids. And we just be, we just cultivated a wonderful relationship with everyone that she worked with. That tells you a lot about her, her character, her personality and everything she stands for. It was amazing just growing up with the, with her always, always there. And um, just the love she gave everyone and the love she received back from them. That's wonderful. I love that story. So we looked up <laughs> growing up in Petworth. This ain't like, you know, <laughs> the nicest neighborhood around. It's the greater DC area, but you, you run into a little trouble as a youngster. I mean, we're talking sixth grade. So you're 10, 10, 11, 12 years old ish. You get arrested maybe once or twice. You have uh, a little rap sheet going and then some things happen, whether it was football or um, some other influences to get you on the right path. What can you tell us about that experience with the police, what you felt during that time? And, and if there was that one mm. moment where you kind of had that talk with yourself, maybe in the mirror or maybe with Miss Adeline, something about like, hey, man, I got to get things right. I got to get on the right track. Talk, talk to us about that. Yeah, it go, that goes back to being a leader and making uh, the correct choices in life. And when I was a kid, you know, that was one area that I had to grow in. You know, I didn't always make the, the best choices, but luckily I had someone like my grandmother in my corner to really uh, inspire me to uh, to get better 
in that aspect. And I say that because that last time that I got in trouble, she had a, a big talk with me and she pretty much, uh, she, she just changed my perspective on everything. I started to step away from my friends. I started to focus more on my schoolwork and, and sports. And I became a better person, better athlete. And things started to take off for me. But like I said, it just goes back to just making uh, the wrong decisions when it comes to everything. And that's what I did. And I, I felt like I've gotten better. And I give a lot of that. I give a lot of that to my grandmother for inspiring me and encouraging me to, uh, to grow in that area. That's so important. I mean, clearly you had the talent and athleticism and the energy and the drive, and then you just decide to channel it in the right direction and look what happens for you. Then you get to the University of Maryland. Reflect on the differences between Petworth and then College Park, because you've, you've spoken to this a little bit about how you matured in college and how it shaped you on and off the field being a uh, Terrapin for Maryland. Yeah, in college, you, um, I mean, you're pretty much a young man. You're, you're grown. You don't have your family. You don't have anyone there to make decisions, help you make decisions. You have to do those on your own. And if you want to be successful, you want to make sure that, you know, you, you're doing the right things at all times. And, and that's one thing I've always, I've always been good at. Since leaving home, I made sure that it was, that I made the correct decisions in life because I wanted to be a professional athlete. I wanted to do well in school. I wanted to go on and make a living and help my family. So everything started to make sense for me. Um, I took it really serious and I wanted to be an inspiration for those who were following me. So I made sure that I stayed on the right track. Yeah, that's that's really inspiring, too, because a lot of these guys understand, you know, guys coming up in the league, they have a similar background to you and they right. they realize, hey, man, this talent that I have, if I work at this, I got a shot. And this mm -hmm. if I get that shot, I need to maximize it. Right. I'm going to get one opportunity to mm -hmm. do this and it's going to take some sacrifice. It sounds like you figured that out at a young age, which was, which was huge for you. And then look how your career blossomed. Mm. Mini sidebar here. I wanted to ask you about the current state of Maryland and their head coach, Mike Loxley and Tonga Bailoa. Looks like they're, you know, they're kind of trending in the right direction the last couple of weeks. What do you think about, uh, about your Terps? Yeah, I think they're doing a great job. And, uh, you know, you gotta, you have to respect Mike Loxley. I mean, he has a track record of bringing in talent. Uh, he's shown that he can get things done. Uh, he recruited me when I was in high school over at Dunbar Senior High School, and um, he was one of the biggest reasons that I decided to commit to the University of Maryland. But unfortunately, as soon as I committed, he ended up leaving and going with Ron Zook to the University of Florida. Right. Um, but it was okay because I grew up a Terps fan, and being able to play in my backyard, knowing that I grew up a couple miles down the road from the stadium is uh, it was like a dream come true for me. So, you know, I applaud Mike Loxley on everything that he's doing. I, I wish him the best as he continued to move along. And what about Tua's younger brother? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's good to see. It's good to see when you have, when you have a family of athletes and everyone's doing well. And, and like I said before, it's all about inspiring the next generation. Right. And, and that's what we have here. I mean, he's, he's doing a phenomenal job for the Terps and, Ah, uh, man, it's, it's great to see them uh, have some success because it hasn't always been like that. No doubt. No doubt. Well, when you were in school, unanimous All-American, sixth overall pick by the 49ers. Talk about that mm. period in your life and how being a top NFL mm. draft pick changed your, you know, maybe perspective mm. on things or your outlook on life and, and what it did for your family. Yeah, I think uh, just knowing that you've, you've put so much work in over the years and 
and being able to enjoy the fruits of your labor is phenomenal. I mean, I remember the moment I got drafted at Radio City Music Hall. I was right there sitting there with my family waiting for the call. The call, I got a call from North Turner. He was uh, from the San Francisco 49ers. Yep. And uh, they picked me up. And from that moment, I saw my whole life, the past, in the past, flash before my flash before me. And um, it just felt so great. I mean, tears of joy and uh, just thinking about everything that, I, that I've been through with my family and all the hard work and dedication that I put in to get to that point was truly amazing. My life changed for the good. My family, I was able to help my family and, and uh, just show them that anything's possible. And a warm, strong embrace from Adeline, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. She was extremely happy. <laughs> I bet. She was <laughs> so proud of you. Uh, so this is a perfect segue because you talked about putting in the work. And with, uh, with our partnership with mm -hmm. East Bay, this segment is really you reflecting on one thing that you did from uh, you know, your mm -hmm. youth age playing football that paid off for you later in your career. What did you do to put in work specifically? Is it a quiet moment of meditation or prayer or specific drills that you might've done? Anything that, that was a part of your routine essentially that helped you put in the work and made you successful throughout your career? I think the biggest thing that, the, the thing that I, the biggest takeaway I have with as far as my career goes is just looking back and looking at where I am now with football and everything else. It's all about going above and beyond. And I say that meaning it's not just about if you have five hours to work. It's not about just about those five hours. It's what do you do after those five hours are up? Are you going home and continuing to work on your craft? What are you doing? And and that's the biggest, that's one of the things that I've always taken with me. Um, I've always put in the extra work and I've been consistent with it. And I tell a lot, a lot of the young guys that too. It's like, if you're going to do it, make sure you're going to be consistent at it. Like, don't just do it today and then take off three days, the, the uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. No, do it. Do it and live it. Let it be a part of your life uh, so that it can manifest. Football is in full swing and the push to the playoffs is on. Every Sunday, don't miss the NFL on CBS for some of the biggest matchups because it's time for the contenders to separate themselves from the pretenders. Can the Chiefs repeat or is someone else ready to dethrone the champs? The journey to Super Bowl 55 is sure to be filled with many twists and turns, and you can watch it all unfold every Sunday on the NFL on CBS. You get to the NFL, you're with the 49ers, your majority mm -hmm. of your career is in San Francisco. The first few years, the team struggles, big time struggles, losing seasons. And then mm -hmm. in 2011, this guy, Jim Harbaugh, shows up and he's brought in as the new head coach. You guys turn things around, three straight NFC Championship games, a Super mm -hmm. Bowl appearance, Talk to me about Jim Harbaugh, his influence on Alex Smith, your quarterback, and you and the team. His charisma was everything. He had a huge impact on every guy on that roster. I mean, we wanted to play for him. We wanted to go out and, and just get it done for him because he, he respected us. We respected him, and he wanted to see us win. He was really good at getting guys on his side. It, it was something about Jim. Um that made him really, really special. I remember one day I came out for practice and I see a guy out there in full uniform going against, going with the, uh, with the twos, right? And it's Jim, Jim Harbaugh. He's suited up, man. He's suited Come on. up. He took off, he took off the khakis and he put on the <laughs> uniform. I was God, like, oh man, khakis. this guy, oh, this guy, this guy's phenomenal, man. I've never seen anything like it. And he was doing really well too. Yeah, he's just, he's a special 
individual. He's all about family. He really incorporated our families and practices and games. And he was really good about that. He made sure that they, he put the family first. I don't have anything but great things to say about Jim. He, he was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds like one of those coaches who thinks outside the box. He's not afraid to jump in the mix with the players. Oh, yeah. That's everything you hear about him. He's such a competitor. What do you think is going on at Michigan? I mean, he's having some serious struggles there. This is another sidebar to, to talk about mm. some college stuff, but he hasn't won a game as an underdog. He's struggling against Ohio State. You know, it feels like these last few years, like they're right there. They need a quarterback. Something mm. goes wrong either on defense or special teams, and it like changes the course of – of their season. I remember the punt block a couple years ago. It's, it always seems like there's one or two plays in a season that kind of derail things mm -hmm. and put them towards the bottom of the Big Ten. And so it's been frustrating there for Michigan fans. W mm -hmm. What do you uh, attribute his struggles there at Michigan to? You know, of course, of course, everyone always wants to point to the to the coach, the head coach for uh, anything that happens, right? When it when it comes to failures mm -hmm. and disappointments, but um, collectively, it takes a group. It takes the team together. So maybe there's maybe there was a there's there's been moments in there where it might have gotten away from Jim, right? But Jim's one of those guys that just because something gets away from him, you need to stick with him because he's going to pull it through. He's going to prevail and he's going to he's going to make sure that he get that team right back on track. So, yeah, 2 3 3 years of of um of disappointments and uh but I think it is you know, he's going to come back and He's going to really uh, prove everyone wrong. I strongly believe that he's going to pull through and everything's going to work out uh, in their favor in just a matter of time. Could you see him going to the NFL? Because fans are so impatient, right? Like mm -hmm. at Michigan, you know, Ohio State looks so good. Maybe it's better for both sides to move on. Maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. But if you could see him mm -hmm. go to the NFL, play this scenario out. Maybe he goes to the Jets. I know it's a tough media market, but they potentially get Trevor Lawrence or at least have Sam Darnold. They got a bunch of draft picks and those press conferences with him. Like he is not afraid to tell a reporter like what's up. So I would enjoy that with his personality. What do you think about that? I think it would be great. I think he'd be a great fit. Why not? Good. See, I was right. Yeah, Thank you, Vern. <laughs> <laughs> no, he would be awesome though. He would be awesome anywhere. He's just, a, he, he can work for any organization. Everyone will love him. And, and you remember when I was in San Francisco, we went to the Super Bowl. We didn't win it, but we were really, really close. Yeah. I think another good eight years with Harbaugh, we would have won it. What about that Super Bowl do you remember most? I remember watching on TV. I remember the power going out, the lights going out. I remember um, Crabtree and Jimmy Smith. I mean, if that's not oh. a penalty, I, I mean, Jimmy Smith, I know my best friend went to Colorado, so I know Jimmy Smith. Uh, from being knucklehead freshman and going to visit out at Colorado <laughs> uh, and seeing him in the dorms and us running around being idiots. I respect him as a player. I think he's an awesome player. And of course, DV's got to hold the whole thing. But, you know, the lights go out and then the Crabtree thing happens. Tell me about your experience in that Super Bowl. You know, we went into that Super Bowl with the with the winning attitude. We had a winning spirit. Everyone was you know, this was like the the moment, the moment we've been we've been waiting for. I mean, there's no other reason to play the game than making it to the you know making it to the Super Bowl. That's what that's why we play. But we get in the game, then you know we start to struggle. I mean, the first first snap of the game, I think it was it was either Crabtree or myself who went offside. I can't remember, but that happened, and then you know they started winning. The lights went out. We came back out, and we were moving. We were moving. We knew we had that game. Uh, we were right there. A lot of people might say. Uh, Kaepernick should have threw it to to Frank Gore. He was wide open, but instead he go for Crabtree. Um, 
it didn't work in our favor. Uh, we just, it was tough. Every time I think about that game, man, I just. Oh, I'm sorry for bringing <sighs> it up. Damn, old wounds. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, what about you played with Colin Kaepernick? Yes or no? Does he play in the NFL again? I'm one of those guys. I like to keep hope alive. And, yeah. you know, I always want to see everyone do well, especially a guy like Colin Kaepernick, who's my quarterback, who I had some great years with. I would love to see him get back in the NFL. But the way it's going, it don't seem like he's going to get a shot. I, know. I mean, that's the, that's what it seems like. But, I mean, we got to keep rooting for him. We got to keep on, keep on, uh, just keep hope alive and just yeah, hope for the best. Yeah, no doubt. I, I feel like of all years, this would be the year to put him kind of on that COVID reserve and have him there for you just in case something crazy happens. Who's got a ton of experience. Sure, he's been out of football a while, but at least, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're picking him up instead of somebody who's never played a down, right? Somebody who's been in a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He has that big game experience and, you know, at least it's there. But I, I would have thought it would happen already, but we'll see what happens in, in the future. Mm-hmm. In the middle of your 10th season with the 49ers, you get traded mid-season to the mm-hmm. Denver Broncos. What was that transition like? And you get traded to a Super Bowl winning team this time. So you've now been in two Super Bowls, won one. What was your time like in Denver? Well, I'm going to tell you initially when I got that call, GM said, hey, I want you to meet me in my office. It was Trent Balk at the time. Mm-hmm. So I get up. I meet him in the office, and as soon as I walk in, I knew something was strange, really strange. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I'm about to get traded probably. So I sit down, and next thing you know, I'm headed to Denver. I didn't see it coming, but I, like I said, I'm always optimistic about everything. Ended up winning the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50, which was another highlight in my life. It was uh, something I will never trade for anything. It was a great moment, great experience. Cultivating relationship with Peyton Manning and DeMarcus Ware, Von Miller, all those guys who was it was phenomenal. So it ended up ended up working in my favor, which was truly amazing. Yeah, well, give me your favorite Peyton Manning story. I know everybody's got a good one. <laughs> yeah, he's a <laughs> Peyton is quite the guy. I remember when I walked in, he's like he t- he texts me and then he called me. He's like, Vern, come 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 see me when you get come see me when you get in, Vern. Come see me. Uh, <laughs> so I go to the weight room. He's lifting it. It's like, hey, Peyton. He's like, you ready to go? It was awesome. Then. Uh, after practice, you would always see Peyton with these bags. I mean, he would have like 20 bags of ice all over his body. I've never seen anything like it. I'm like, I'm like, dude, won't you just get in the cold tub? There's a cold tub right here. Just get in the cold tub. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, now nah, he was phenomenal, man. And then the way he took over, took over meetings, he was he was just like you, Sanchez. He would take over meetings, and you would think he's the offensive coordinator. He was so sharp. He knew everything. And then when we get on the field, like he, you wouldn't even know he's in the locker room. He always minimizes himself. You wouldn't know he's in there. He's just, he, he he's great about it. You know, he's giving the young guys the floor to, you know, just be themselves. And then when you get outside, he's the general. He's the general. Back, back up a little bit, DT. DT, back up a little bit. Right there, right there, right there. Right there. <laughs> That's a good impression. That's a good one. I like that. Omaha! That's what... <laughs> That's perfect. That's hey, perfect. That's Peyton great. the man. Hey, he's the man. He's he's man. Hey man, he's awesome, man. He's like he's like one of the, he's like the best person I've met in my life. He's phenomenal. That's awesome. What about then you get to go play in your hometown back in DC for at the time the Redskins, now the Washington football team. First impressions. I mean, we had known each other through, you know, working at Super Bowl stuff, doing appearances mm-hmm. and stuff, but then 
I came in to what was the craziest year or really like six weeks of my life. Uh. Um, so I get there and right before Alex goes down with a gruesome injury, then the team is still like leading the division at the midway point of the season or just after that. I get there and I'm like, whoa. I see, you know, once you're inside the building, you see you, everything's exposed. You see a lot of, I, at least I did. I saw a lot of issues. I'm like, man, how are they keeping this thing together and winning football games? This is yeah. crazy. So what was your experience like that year? And then your first impression of me as a teammate? Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's a crazy, this is crazy, craziest year ever. Um, you know, after playing 14 years in the NFL, you've, I feel like I've seen just about everything. That was another moment, another experience in my life um, where I had another, another opportunity to see something that's, that was, I don't know, different. You know, just different. <laughs> you know, every organization is different. And it's, it's pretty cool to see that along your journey. You know, you see this organization, this organization, that organization. But let me tell you, it was the most amazing experience, another amazing experience I've, I've had in my life. Uh, being able to come back home, play in, the fr- in front of family and friends, uh, play with, with an organization that I grew up rooting for. And just enjoying it, even through through its ups and downs, and yeah. it's just enjoying it all. And then you know, having you come in, I grew up. You know, I I rooted for you. You know, I watched you, and I know about your success and you know your 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 high level of play and being able to play with you, even though it wasn't that long, it was still a great journey for me, a great opportunity to play with a great player. I mean, you're all time great. Everyone will always remember you, and I'll remember my experiences with you. I appreciate that, man. Thank yeah. you. Uh, but you think about, look at look at that locker room. AP was in there, Adrian Peterson, you, <laughs> Alex Smith yeah. at one point, Trent Williams. You know, these are some of the best players to ever play, and especially that year, some of the best players. It was crazy that there wasn't more success on that team. Gosh, I remember um, we played on Thanksgiving, right? We played against the Cowboys. We're going to Dallas for the game. I had just gotten there, like, I'm like six days in and trying mm. to learn the playbook. It was the wordiest offense of all time with my man, Jay uh, Gruden. And uh, how about, I just remember the night before the game, right? You go through like the first 15 play calls. and Jay was so negative. <laughs> I never heard a coach install plays this negatively, <laughs> but I just remember him saying, yeah, you know, play three, we'll take the shot. Uh, we got a deep post. We got the spear route going. We got the shallow. Hey, Colt. Now, uh, just listen, blow the top off the defense with the post. If it's not there, we hit him with the deep shot, hit him right down the field, 18 to 22 plus yard gain. Or if not, just dump it down to AP, you know, or who knows? Maybe we miss a block up front. Maybe Colt gets sacked, fumble. <laughs> it goes the other way. We all get fired. We lose the game. Who knows? Who knows how it's going to go, right? That's why we play the game. He said something like that. And I'm like writing down, you know, I'm taking notes, like trying to remember the plays and all this kind of stuff. And then he goes into that negative <laughs> rant of sack, fumble, yeah. return for a touchdown. We all get fired. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what just happened? Oh, Dude, the other time he asked, uh, he's like, all right, man, you know, sometimes we just, you know, we, we let some of the guys talk to the team. Uh, Trent Williams, where are you at? Trent, Trent, you want to say anything? <laughs> Trent just goes, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, usually you have that planned out, right? Like with with the yeah. player, hey, I'm going to call you out to talk to the team. Here's kind of the themes <laughs> we're going for. Or you trust the player enough to just be like, hey, you know, shoot from the hip, whatever you got, you're a leader on the team, go for it. <laughs> I think he just kind of called him like open mic night and just was like, hey, you want to do it? Trent just said, nah. 
dude, what are your what? What's one of your favorite Jay Gruden stories? Oh, I remember. I remember Jay told me he was like, uh, "Vern, how about we just throw it to you on the corner route?" Oh, nah, you probably gonna drop it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, I said, coach. <laughs> I said thanks a lot, coach. Oh, he was, oh, Jay, Jay's Jay's a different guy. Jay's a different. But like funny, I said, man. I I definitely enjoyed my time with Jay and. You know these those moments will never come back around again. So you got to cherish them, even when they're even when they're at the low. This name issue with with the team. What what did you think about it? Obviously, it was it made big news in the off season and and mm-hmm. leading up to the season. And now they're the Washington Football Team. What do you think they mm-hmm. end up changing the name to? And um, how do you think they're handling that? Well, at the end of the day, it's all about the people, all about the fans, and and what they want. You know, and there's been some some huge. There's been a lot of issues with with the name, you know, the that name. And uh, for them to be able to change it, it's, it's, it, you know, it says a lot to who they are as an organization and, and that they care. They care. They want to make it right. They want to make a difference. And as far as the name, I have no idea what they're going to come up with. But I hope it's something that uh, <laughs> that they don't have to change down the road. So, uh <laughs> No doubt. Hopefully it's a good, hopefully it's a good one. This is this was tough for me because the kid's in a really tough spot. Dwayne Haskins, he mm-hmm. he gets drafted there, and then when you lose your GM and the head coach that drafted you, I mean, there's no loyalty left, right? And so it just seemed like such a small sample size to move on from him. But if you're Ron Rivera, if you're you know this new regime. Mm-hmm. You have no allegiance to this kid, so you're just doing whatever's best for the team. And if you think there's a better option, and Dwayne Haskins is not the option, then you move forward. But yeah, I just feel like he has so much talent, and he's got to land somewhere, right? He's got to be one of these guys, maybe at the end of the season that goes somewhere. What's your take on Dwayne Haskins? Oh yeah, he has to land somewhere. If I'm a head coach, you better believe I'm taking. If Dwayne Haskins is out there, I'm taking him. I'm taking him all day. I mean, after seeing this kid, I mean. He has the ability to get the ball downfield a to, a to b just like that i mean he's very accurate he he can he can move around in the pocket he can i mean he's not afraid to keep his eyes downfield when he's sitting in the pocket i mean he's just he's fearless i think we have to really take in consideration that this kid hasn't really played much college football right, right. so you know what you're getting right away this is going to be a kid yeah he he had a spectacular career in college but once he gets here, we're going to have to really groom this guy, right? Yep. First, we're going to have to start here. We know he has the ability, but we got to keep him contained here, right? Um, that's what it's all about for Dwayne Haskins, right? Can he continue? Can he take this this thing that looks that seems to be negative and turn it into positive? Because mm-hmm. really, it's not negative. It's a positive for Dwayne Haskins, which is only going to allow him to grow if he continues to stay positive about the overall situation. Understand that this is only a test for him. And the sky's the limit for the young man because he's so talented. He's super talented. I mean, he's one of the most – he has one of the most talented arms I've ever seen. Yeah, I'd love to see him get somewhere with a solid veteran, maybe like a transitional veteran player, whether it's a Fitzpatrick or, you know, somebody like McCown was later in his career, yeah. somebody like that that can really help bring him along. And then the other thing, too, right. for a quarterback to be successful, and, and you know this – uh, playing with different quarterbacks. Everything's got to be built around the quarterback. You saw the transformation of Alex Smith when Harbaugh got there, and he was a quarterback guy and figured it out for him, mm-hmm. made it work for him, made it made the game make sense for him in a way and put him in situations to be successful. So I hope that happens with Dwayne Haskins. Then mm-hmm. on the other hand, you see a guy like Kyle Allen get his shot after playing well and being kind of one mm-hmm. of Ron Rivera's guys down in Carolina, 
and then he goes down with an injury, and now your guy Alex Smith is back after whatever it was, two years now, two seasons out of football. What were your thoughts when you see him? You know, he went off last week. I think he had like 350-plus yards, 390 yards or something like that. So where, where are your emotions? Yeah. Have you spoken to Alex, um, and, and what did you think of that game? Yeah, I've not spoken to Alex. I um, When I heard he was in that game, I said, whoa, I, I just – I think I stopped breathing for a moment. I, I just, I still can't believe he's out there playing. I mean, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't be playing right now. Definitely. Yeah, because you saw it happen, I mean, right? I mean, I talked to guys oh, on the team. They said it was disgusting. Saw it happen. Um, I know everything about the entire situation during his stay in the hospital, what he went through. Mm. Like, to know all of that and just processing it while he's out there on that field, I'm just like, you know, I just, ah, just fingers crossed. Hope everything goes well for him. Um, yeah, but he's, man, this guy, this guy is like, I don't know, man. We, we got to make a movie out of this kid. I mean, he's, <laughs> we got to make a movie out of Alex Smith because what he's doing right now is something that most people, majority of the people in this world would not even think about doing. Then this was uh, something that I found interesting when we looked up, uh, did our deep dive on you. The misconceptions of masculinity that it, that exist, especially mm. when it relates to NFL players, um, and and you have some some interesting thoughts on that. I'm curious your take on that and and where the state of the NFL is with you know this masculinity <laughs> idea. Is somebody like Dak Prescott? You know, he talked about dealing with the loss of his mom and then his brother. Uh, he talked about you know speaking to somebody about that and and processing those emotions. You know, and a lot of people think if you have to do that, then you're weak, you know, and you're not a man. You got to be a man. You know, you don't show any emotion. You're tough. You just grit your teeth and grind through it. What's your take on all that? I think real men shed tears. I mean, it's okay to shed tears. I mean, we're human. Like we've been crying. We started crying since birth, right? And whenever we whenever we would be playing outside and, you know, we fall and bruise our knee up, our elbow, we, we cry and we look for mom, we look for dad. That's just, it's okay to do that. Even as a grown man, it's okay to cry and get those out. Cause a lot of times what, what we do is we hold, we bottle all of that, that emotion up inside of us. And it causes us to do things, things that we wouldn't normally do, like acting out of character and uh, our decision-making, just everything, you know, it has a lot to do with that. So if we can express ourselves in, in a way where uh, we're not afraid to be in touch with our feminine side, then Hey, I think the sky's the limit for us just as as men. And um, we open up a whole nother platform for the younger generation behind us to know that it's okay to express yourself, uh, be emotional and cry sometimes. It's all right. What about, you know, your post NFL career? You have this amazing career. You appear in a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, a ton of stories from the locker room, from the bus rides, the plane rides, everything. But then now you enter this new phase of life, right? You know, football mm. feels like a lifetime. And then you realize, like, man, I'm not even 40 yet. <laughs> and I got a whole other yeah. life to live. You know, I have a whole other identity to create. What's been going on in your life? I know there's some charity mm. stuff going on. I know there's some um, that you're into art. If you can elaborate on some of those passions that you have and some of those passions you've explored since retirement. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. It's pretty, it's, it's, it's awesome to see me transition because I went to school for art studio. So now what I've done is I've taken the painting and I put it into creating content. I sit here in this space and I come up with, with movie ideas and I write them down. I turn them, I, I make treatments out of them in shows. Like I have maybe... 
15 different shows that I came up with. Uh, I have one that actually just got picked up by this big production company. Uh, that's pretty cool. It's a real estate show uh, that nice. I created. I have two feature films, independent films that I produced and acted in that's coming out in January. Whoa. Um, what are the names? Give us the names. We got to plug them. <laughs> called Message from Brianna and Red Winter. It's a horror film that I did uh, with a partner of mine. Uh, okay. He's actually an ex-football player. Nice. Extremely talented writer. I've actually been doing some writing myself lately, but I also have um, a percentage of a soundstage in Fitzgerald, Georgia. Bruce Willis just shot a movie there, so I'm excited about that. Hopefully he's, wow. he'll come back after Thanksgiving and shoot another one that I'll have a part uh, have a part in, so so we'll see. Yeah, I'm just, just acting, auditioning, writing, and coming up with ideas, man. That's all I do all day. I love that. I love that. Dude, yeah. if you need an extra, you need like a dead body, you need <laughs> like, you know, you need me to throw on a flannel and a wife beater, some long dickies and some Nike Cortezes and be like, you know, one of the essays in the hood. I got you, Holmes. Come on, yeah, man. Hook okay, me up. Holmes, yeah, okay, I'll grow out the mustache. Orale, vato. Let's go. <laughs> Let me I'll know, bro. I, I could just be, I could be. Yeah, exactly. I could be one of the goon, <laughs> goblin, zombies in the horror film. I could do anything, bro. I got a lot of talents. Maybe you didn't see me on The Masked Singer. I can sing. You know, I'm not a, um, you know, a dancer like you. I know you did Dancing with the Stars. Can you talk about Dancing with the Stars and your favorite, your favorite story or moment from that experience? You were a mask, mask singer? Were you there? Yeah. Were you you didn't even there? notice. Thanks a lot, Vern. No, I didn't. So you met Dina wow. Katz, huh? Yes, you Dina. You met Dina Katz? Yeah, yeah she's the casting let, let me tell you something. Oh, she made my experience on Dancing with the Stars the best. I mean, oh, if it wasn't for cool. her, my experience probably wouldn't have been what it was to me when I when they released me after my fifth or sixth week I can't remember but I texted her and I was like look Dean I said you're one of a kind I mean you're special oh, I mean she's awesome. I mean from handwritten notes that she that she would give everyone and from time to time she'll check in I mean text messages I mean I'm like who is this lady this lady is unbelievable <laughs> but uh but no Dancing with the Stars was incredible a great experience um it didn't go totally the way I expected I thought it was going to be easy it's just going to be a breeze to just go in and just go through the routines. But no, I put in six to seven hours a day, man. Six days a week. Like, I believe it. Literally. It was crazy. It was crazy. Hardest thing I've ever done. Did you give Vaughn Miller any tips when he did it? Because he was in Denver right around the same time. You know what? No. he. Uh, I thought he did a great job. You know, Vaughn's always been able to move. Um, he, he's always had really good rhythm, really good feet. I thought he did a great job. But like I said, unfortunately, it's... Uh, it's it's not it's not easy man it is it's hard easy those shows are yes. hard man they take a lot of practice and and yes. it's credit to oh, you yeah. for getting outside the box doing something different um that's mm -hmm. that's really cool lastly and, and we'll let you go i wanted to ask about your foundation and it's focused a lot on health uh, especially for young kids mm -hmm. and young adults with the vernon davis foundation tell the viewers and listeners what the vernon davis foundation is and uh, how they can get involved. Yeah, so I started off with Vernon Davis Foundation for the Arts, and I had an art gallery in San Jose, California when I was playing for the 49ers. It's called Gallery 85, where mm -hmm. we brought, we allow local artists to come in and showcase their work in this gallery. Half the proceeds would go back to them, and the other half would go to the foundation. Oh, um, cool. And then when I arrived in, in Washington, I changed my foundation to reach out to more platform, different, more platforms, right? And, um, it's not so much focused on the arts anymore. I want to uh, do things with homeless people. I wanted to uh, create programs in schools for financial literacy and uh, reading programs. So 
I've been doing so many different things with the foundation. It's not limited to just the arts anymore. It's, it's everything, arts, homelessness. I mean, you name it. And I've been, it's been, it's been an honor to be able to partner with a lot of the different organizations and, and entities that I've been able to invest in. Like we create programs together. Uh, we come up with ideas. I had a chance to uh, feed so many, so many people, kids, and those who were working on the front line. Mm. Uh, I did that with uh, a partner of mine called Rasa. Rasa um, out of Washington, D.C. is Indian cuisine, uh, okay. fast casual. Uh, if you haven't tried it, whenever you're in D.C., you should, should check it out. Check it's that really out. good food. Super clean. So, yeah, we um, we pretty much we fed thousands of people uh, mm. during this quarantine. So that was uh, that was really, really awesome. So important and such a reflection on you, your personality, your desire to give back uh, a community <laughs> leader. Man, you've you've done it like a real true pro your entire career. Mm -hmm. We're thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Vern. Thank you for those awesome stories. The Peyton Manning <laughs> impersonation was awesome. Um, we got three plays with our partnership with East Bay of three female athletes and some of their amazing plays. So we're going to watch them for the first time together. And we wanted to get your reaction and my reaction to these plays. These are the Conquer Plays of the Week. Check out freshman Mallory Mooney of Auburn giving the Tigers a win 2-1, to one, scoring a goal in the Women's SEC Soccer Tournament. Okay, look at her. Take it down the sideline. Oh, reverse pivot. Did you see that reverse pivot by number three there? Nice. Bam, bam. Oh. One time. Did you play any soccer growing nice. up, Vern? I did when I was in grade school. And? Uh, I was pretty good. I think I was, I was good. I was nice. <laughs> I was the best ever. Just good. ask me. Yeah, I don't think I was the best ever. I did okay. I did okay. I like it. This is volleyball. Have you played any volleyball at all? Uh, just for fun. Yeah, I can do I'm all right, pretty good at it. Because we got a beach volleyball tournament around 4th of July every year. We might need you as the ringer. Nice. Come on. Bring it on, baby. And in this play, check out Alabama's Aaliyah Wells and Kennedy McElroy as they come up with a huge block in the fourth set of their women's volleyball game to give the Alabama Crimson Tide their first win. Boom. Matumboed that. If we have to play against these girls, Vern, are you going to be able to spike it over them or what? Man, those girls are tall, man. What is that? <laughs> she's like 6'5". She's like she's 6'5". <laughs> Look at this. Are you jumping up this high still, Vern? Oh, I don't know, man. My knees won't allow me to. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. And in this next clip, check out Luana Pinheiro in the strawweight fight of a UFC bout as she drops her opponent with a flurry of punches. Fancy footwork, fancy footwork. Oh! <laughs> Burn. How long How long could you Ooh. last in the ring? With her? Yeah. Oh, maybe 10 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> Luana Pinheiro. Wow. Oh, you got wow. another fight lined up with Vernon Davis, and you don't even have to train. You just have to last 10 seconds. Wow. <laughs> Well, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for your reactions on those. And we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you, guys. Good to see you, Mark. Like, share, subscribe, uh, at Mark underscore Sanchez, at Fourth and Forever, Instagram, Twitter, all that. You know where to go. Thanks again for having us, and we'll see you soon.